This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. Thanks for tuning in today. We are going to jump into the Gospel of John chapter 14. I love this chapter. Have I said that about every chapter? I don't think I've said it about every chapter, but almost every chapter. I love this gospel. It's so good. Okay, John 14. We are in a time now when Jesus is ministering to his apostles, right? So we're in Passion Week, if you will, and we're coming near to the end of Jesus' life. Of course, we all know he'll be resurrected on the third day, but this is, you know, we're, we're starting to see his final teachings to them before he goes to the cross. And I want us to remember the context. So as you're opening your Bibles here to John 14, let's remember Jesus has just foretold Peter's denial just right before at the end of chapter 13. So that had to be kind of a bummer and kind of a downer for everybody. Right. So, you know, here Peter was kind of, you know, like one of the leaders and he was super zealous. And then Jesus is like, oh, by the way, you're going to deny me three times. I mean, I can't even fathom of all the failures and awful things that I've done in my life where you just feel like you've failed God and you've disappointed him. Don't tell me you haven't felt that. You lie if you say you have no sin. You deceive yourself. Anyway, we've all been there, right? And of all those times, I think, oh, but what must Peter have been feeling in that moment to be told by Jesus himself, you're going to deny me? And then to think, well, I'm never going to do that. And then to do it later. Oh, it just, I feel, I feel for Peter, feel for him. But what an amazing restoration he had. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're still in chapter 14. So... So this had to be kind of a, a, a downer message for all the apostles, all of the disciples. And then Jesus says right here, as we open chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. And we don't always just roll from Peter, you're going to deny me three times into let not your hearts be troubled. So I think that's really interesting that that, that, that rolls like that in um, the original text here. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So we have in these first few verses this promise that we will have an eternal home with him. It's a promise of his second coming. It's a promise of our eternal inheritance, that we will go and be with Christ forever. That's a big deal. That's a huge promise. And yes, he's saying this immediately to the disciples, but it's something that we can take for ourselves and that we can take comfort in because of how it aligns with the rest of scripture. So moving on, when we look at verses four through 14, 
Jesus is telling us that he is the only way to salvation. And of course, verse six is one that many of us, I'm sure, have memorized. Jesus said to him, uh, to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, it's pretty clear there, right? And Jesus has been so clear throughout his entire ministry that he is the only way of salvation. And here he is saying it again, because Thomas is like, look, we don't know where you're going to go. So how can we know how to get there? And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the way. So you'll get there through me. And then once again, we see Jesus equating himself with the Father. So we see this affirmation of his deity, of his co-equal nature with the Father, and that we can only know the Father through Christ. Jesus is our mediator. Remember, the temple had that curtain that was separating man from God. Jesus is the mediator. When he died, that curtain was torn in two in a way that only God could tear it, indicating that the way is open for us to get to, get to God. We come to Christ, and by coming to Christ, we come to the Father. If you'd like more on that, please read the book of Hebrews. Maybe we'll do that next. I don't know. I haven't decided. Anyway, so we see that. Really, we see Jesus emphasizing this um, through about verse 14. You know, Philip is saying, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough. And Jesus is saying, oh, dear, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And then we come to verse 15, and from verse 15 on, we have this great discourse, really, on the Holy Spirit, this discourse and teaching from Jesus himself, right? And so this promise is phenomenal here that we see in verses 15 and following. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'm going to pause there, go back to verse 15, because I don't want us to get tripped up on this first sentence. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This isn't about work salvation. So a uh, little tangent teaching here, tangent note, tangent reminder, that those who are saved, we're saved by the grace of God, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, right? But if we are saved, if we are Christians, if we are daughters of the King, we love Jesus, right? That's like kind of how that works. <laughs> and if we love him, we want to please him. And so the works, keeping his commandments, they're a fruit of our salvation, evidence of our salvation. It's not something, it's not keep my commandments and I'll save you. It's, well, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If your children love you, they try to obey you, but they're little sinners like the rest of us, and so they'll still disobey. So, you know, the comparison breaks down. But anyway... You know where I'm going with that. So the works are fruit of, or evidence of our salvation. And 
I really think it's fascinating that that's actually there as Jesus launches into a teaching on the Holy Spirit because it is the Spirit who empowers us. And we've talked a lot about that in the past. And so he calls him the helper. He calls him the Spirit of Truth. And of this little phrase, J.C. Ryle says, quote, his special office to apply truth to the hearts of Christians to guide them into all truth and to sanctify them by the truth. So he calls him the helper and the spirit of all truth. And J.C. Ryle says here that this is his special, his, the spirit of truth. This is his special office to apply truth to the hearts of Christians, to guide them into all truth and to sanctify them by the truth. So that's the special work of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus goes on, and again, he's emphasizing, he's promising that the Holy Spirit will come. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. I love that promise. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Again, not work salvation. If you love me, you will keep my commandments because you love me, because you will demonstrate the fruit of that love that has been given to you by me, by the way. And you will be able to do those works by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, this is really special for the disciples there that Jesus is talking to right there in that moment. Now, yes, the Holy Spirit comes and illuminates scripture for us and guides us into all truth, just like that quote we just read from Ryle. But here where Jesus says that he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you, this is really special for the disciples. And we see this in how they wrote the New Testament right? They were able to remember things. And we see often, maybe not often, but we see in scripture kind of reflections back. And I know John has done that a few times, like, well, they didn't understand at the time, but then this is what he actually meant. Because as they're reflecting back and writing it down, it's like, oh, yes, Jesus said this, and we didn't get it because we were really stupid then. But then we had the Holy Spirit illuminating these things to us. And so we see in these verses here from 15 on, uh, verse 15 on through the end of the chapter, that Jesus is again emphasizing his unity with the Father. And then in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And Ryle calls this Christ's last legacy to his people. Ryle says, we find him saying, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Peace is Christ's peculiar gift to his people. He seldom gives them money or worldly ease or temporal prosperity. These are at best very questionable possessions. They often do more harm than good to the soul. They act as clogs and weights to our spiritual life. Inward peace of conscience arising from a sense of pardoned sin and reconciliation with God is a far greater blessing. This peace is the inheritance of all believers, 
whether high or low, rich or poor. And that's really an interesting thought, isn't it, ladies? And that's something that's really easy for us to say. But then when we're in a time of unrest or unease, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of stuff going on in our life and we're stressed out. We don't feel like we embrace that reality. Or maybe we're fighting to make ends meet and it's hard to embrace the reality that having that inheritance, that peace from being reconciled to God is a far greater blessing, but it is. That doesn't mean that we should all go live in a cardboard box on the corner. It's just that we need to remember where our true riches lie, and that is in Christ. Ryle goes on, he says, the peace which Christ gives, he calls my peace. It is specially his own to give because he bought it by his own blood, purchased it by his own substitution, and is appointed by the Father to dispense it to a perishing world. Just as Joseph was sealed and commissioned to give corn to the starving Egyptians, so is Christ specially sealed and commissioned in the councils of the eternal trinity to give peace to mankind. The peace, I'm still reading Ryle, that Christ gives is not given as the world gives. What he gives, the world cannot give at all. And that's so true. The world can't give not even remotely close to what Christ gives us. And the world doesn't want to because the world is contrary to him. What he gives, the world cannot give at all. And what he gives is given neither unwillingly nor sparingly nor for a little time. Christ is far more willing to give than man is to receive. That's interesting. What he gives, he gives to all eternity and never takes away. He is ready to give abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Open thy mouth wide, he says, and I will fill it. Who can wonder that a legacy like this should be backed by the renewed emphatic charge, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There is nothing lacking on Christ's part for our comfort if we will only come to him, believe, and receive. The chief of sinners has no cause to be afraid. If we will only look by faith to the one true Savior, there is medicine for every trouble of heart. Half our doubts and fears arise from dim perceptions of the real nature of Christ's gospel. And I'm going to stop there and quit while I'm ahead because, amen. If I heard Ryle preaching that, I'd just be like, preach, and I don't speak in service. So... The chief of sinners has no cause to be afraid. Come to Christ. If we will only look by faith to the one true Savior, there's medicine for every trouble of heart. Half our doubts and fears arise from dim perceptions of the real nature of Christ's gospel. I'd say more than half because we just don't fully grasp the greatness of that gospel. Ladies, today for our endorsement. I'm not picking a book, a blog, a thing. I'm just going to encourage you to take time alone with God, whatever that looks like for you. If that's your quiet time, your Bible reading time in the morning, your prayer time, if that's just quietly reflecting in prayer, if that's going for a walk, listening to the birds sing, praying while you do that, don't listen for a still small voice, but take time for yourself by taking time to be alone with God in Bible study and prayer. And I say that to encourage myself as well because our lives are so busy and it's easy to push that to the back burner and I'll do that later or 
Okay, yeah, quick, I prayed, I'm good. But that is our lifeline. Prayer is our lifeline. And more than half of our troubles arise from not correctly seeing the gospel and understanding the gospel and not seeing Christ and seeing way too much of ourselves. I'm preaching to myself right now. And so we need to step back and take time to reflect on that and on his gracious goodness and thank him for that and acknowledge him for that and praise him for that. And that will help our perception of everything. So that's my encouragement to you today. It's an equipping Eve encouragement instead of an endorsement. And as a parting thought, ladies, do you know the peace that Jesus promises? Do you know that peace? Have you been saved? And I'm guessing most, if not all of you listening have been, that you do know that peace. So are you actively sharing that with others? Particularly in this time, um, as I record this, and I'm guaranteed as it airs, no matter how far in advance this, or how much later this airs, that this is a time of chaos and dissent and unrest, and are you sharing the peace that is found only in Christ Jesus? So I encourage you to do that as well. All right, ladies, until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.